Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this probing question, how does a drag queen become a minister of the gospel? Yes, we are continuing our conversation with Blake Howard today, the committed church kid raised in a Christian home who struggled with same-sex attraction from a very young age and was then tragically molested, bullied in school for acting gay. So after high school, he became gay. And not only that, he was addicted to drugs and was doing drag to receive the love and affirmation that his heart longed for. That is the ground we covered in the last episode. In today's episode, you will hear the rest of the story. As Paul Harvey used to say, you will hear about Blake's dramatic altar call conversion to belief in Christ, his deliverance from drug addiction, his continued struggle with homosexuality and eventual complete submission to Christ in that area of his life. And you'll hear about his marriage and parenting and how he came to be a minister. It is an incredible story. And along the way, you will get some priceless, hard-earned advice on how to walk in relationship with the people in your life who struggle with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria, all from a guy who knows exactly what they need because he's been there. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now in 2024, there is a new edition, the Faith in Action Edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories and digital resources that will help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotionals, prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. Y'all, we all got weaknesses. It's okay. Just acknowledge what those weaknesses are and be willing to confront them. Even when restoration doesn't work, forgiveness always does. Chris, how did you overcome the whole passive husband thing? I led him through it. (laughs) (laughs) There is work for us to do. It is not just sit back and cross my arms and just kind of wait for God to drop the miracle. Hey, y'all, it's Dana Shea. For real faith-based marriage advice, be sure to tune into Real Relationship Talk on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All righty, mamas and papas, I want to jump into this episode right where we left off last time. But if you missed episode 59 of CPCW, How Does a Committed Church Kid Become a Drag Queen? Please go back and listen to that first. This episode will make a lot more sense if you do. Here is the conclusion of my conversation with Blake Howard. I remember it was like one of the the drag performances and I was like, I just remember thinking like, I'm so sick of her getting all the attention. Like I'm, I'm over her being the one that gets everything, you know, like she's the one that gives me the gratification. She's the one that gets me the acceptance. Like, why can't they just love Blake for who Blake is? You know, it's so, it was like really like crazy to me that I was, I really at this, at the end of the day, had to put all this makeup on, had to put like a fake breast, fake but and then that's when people were would accept me you were looking for that affirmation that you'd been yeah. seeking all that time i mean the old is it country song looking for love in all the wrong places and not finding it yeah you think about like i, I know some for some of the parents listening like you think how do you go from being a sheltered church boy to being like a drag queen on drugs and it was really just because again like i will point it back to like Having these conversations with your kids is everything. Sheltering them and caring, if you will, like, and being super protective, but like not having the conversations with them and talking to them about Mm -hmm. it. And then even when you do talk about it, making it weird, like it's going to turn your kids off. They're going to not want to talk to you about it. They're going to talk to their friends about it. And then they're going to get the wrong information. So it's like super important to have these conversations. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you have that open communication, there's a line between being your kid's best friend and being a confidant and be there that can be there for them and love them, but also still be a parent. And I think all of us are struggling to find that balance. Mm -hmm. So how how did you go from that? I guess, obviously, the, the honeymoon phase wore off, right? You loved it. The affirmation was there. It was great at first. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. Look at all I have to do to be affirmed and to be loved. And it wasn't you. Like you said, why can't they love me for me? So how did you get to that place where I know you ended up at a ministry school from <laughs> doing drag to a ministry school in Alabama? Um, how did that transition come about? So I had just gotten, I had just auditioned in Orlando at a theme park there. I was still, I just kind of hung up the wig and I had not been doing drag very much anymore because of just being like exhausted from doing it. And honestly, like drugs started taking a toll on my body. And I auditioned for a role at the theme park and I was awaiting the response. And I found out, I ended up finding out that I was going to be moving. And so then I was, it was kind of like a last hurrah, if you will, with some of my friends and I remember like, so we had already done quite a bit of cocaine and then we were like, let's go get some more. We gotten more. We went and bought more cocaine from a dealer, a local dealer. And um, we had all like hit our first line of that particular batch. And in, a, in like almost immediately, I saw one of my friends start throwing up. And he started bleeding from his nose and then he started like throwing up blood because it was like draining in the back of his throat and that kind of thing. So that's like a dangerous place to be when doing cocaine because that means that 
you've ruptured something way back here instead of just right. So blood is going down your throat, back into your sinuses, blood's coming out. It's really intense. And so we honestly all thought that we were all kind of like to the place of overdosing because we had purchased about 10.5 grams of cocaine that night. And the average man can only handle about three to five grams. And there's four, there was four of us, but we had obviously did it. And, um, so it was, it was getting really, everything got really intense. And so, you know, I had my friend, it, it was, we honestly thought he was overdosing. And then I remember like feeling my heart, like beating out of its chest, stressed and going through anxiety attack because of this happening to my friend, but also the drugs rushing through my bloodstream doing that to my heart. And I remember I just kept like feeling my heartbeat and like trying to like breathe and slow myself down. I struggled with a lot of anxiety at the time and a lot of like a lot of depression, a lot of suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff. So I was trying to like keep myself from going into a, a whimsy. I was just like, I finally was like, okay, God, like if you get me out of this situation, I will never do drugs again. Like, just please help me. And is it, I mean, it sounds silly, but I was kind of like desperate. I was scared. I knew, I, of course, I always knew God was there, but I just always used the phrase, I'm going to hell in the ambassador and I'm okay with it. And I was just kind of like to a point where I was like, okay, God, like I, this, this cannot happen. Like I couldn't control my breathing. Like I was trying to like feel my heart again. And I just told the Lord, I was like, okay, God, I need you to get me out of this. And so my being okay we got some water we got it rehydrated and just he started coming down and i remember my nose was like raw for about two or three days after that night and so that was when i was like about to transition i was gonna move i was like okay i need to calm down like i need to get out um so then i started looking at colleges in the central florida area because i was already on my way there and i was trying to look for like sort of christian program because i was thinking like maybe they could help me with my drug and alcohol use I wasn't even thinking about the homosexuality. I was really just worried about my drug and alcohol use because I almost overdosed. So I uh, started looking at Christian colleges, Central Florida area. And then my mom came across the ramp in Hamilton, Alabama. I had a, um, had a cousin that was already going there. And so she was, my mom was, well, what about the ramp? But I was like, that's in bum freak America. Like I'm not going there. Like I'm trying to go to Orlando, you know? And, that's not part of the plan. She was, well, you're looking for a Christian school. Like that seems to be a good one. Like you should go and, you know, whatever I'll apply, but I doubt they're going to accept me. And so I, I applied not even thinking they would accept. I like within a couple of days, I heard from the admin, the admissions person. And she was like, yeah, we're accepted. You just have to get this, this, and this in and then get your deposit. And I was like, it was like overwhelming because I was like, why did they accept what the heck? And so I started looking into the church and started looking into the school and they're very charismatic and they're, you know, very little prophetic culture. And so I was like, why is the preacher yelling? Like, I don't need a preacher yelling at me. Jesus doesn't yell. I remember like finding out that they had 8 a.m. prayer every morning. And I was like, I am not going to 8 a.m. prayer. Like I can pray whenever I want to. I can, it's, if I need to pray, I will pray. And uh, I was like, I don't want to go. My mom was like, just go. And if you paid it by November, we will, you could come home and I will help you move back to Orlando. We can pack up all your stuff and we can move to Orlando and I'll help you do it. And so I was like, 
okay, whatever, fine. We showed up on a Wednesday. We showed up early to kind of just test it out and see how it is before orientation. And we just went to like a regular Wednesday night service and we met up with my cousin, got to know her, like got to catch up. We got, to, I got to like meet some of her friends and stuff. And so we went to the church service. I immediately walked in. I was kind of like, okay, like I was already on edge because it had been a long time since I had walked into a church. So I was like, I was like, none of these people actually know what I've been doing or who I've been doing or what's been happening. You know, like I had a lot. I was carrying on my shoulders and um, I walked in and like, I noticed everybody was starting to go up to the front and I was like, what was everybody doing? And she was like, we're getting ready for worship. And I was like, going up to the front. I was like, I haven't done that since I was like, it's ministry. Like I was saying, like, what are you, why are we doing that? And so I just kind of followed the crowd. I was like, I was honestly too scared to like not go up to the front. So I was like, I can't, I'm going to jump in with the rest of them. I guess. So Worship starts, this crazy, wild, bubbly worship leader starts leading worship. She's running around the, the stage like like a track star and just like still hitting every note, like not even sounding out of breath. And um, everybody's just jumping and flinging their arms everywhere. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is wrong with these people? And um, I remember like, I just began to feel this happiness and this joy. Like it was a very light feeling, but it was very like genuine. It was genuine happiness and genuine joy. And I was calling with the heck. So then I started jumping and slinging my arms too, because all like, that's what everybody else is doing. And I feel great. Like it felt like I was like high because it felt good. Like I was, I felt free. So I was kind of like, what the heck? Like I've never felt this in a church before. Okay. And then. She kind of stopped the song and was like, I feel this so clearly right now that there, there's someone in this room that your yes is literally setting you up for a destiny that you would have, would have never imagined or never created for yourself. And if you could just pull back the curtain and take a, a slight glimpse of what God had in store for you, you would be in awe. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now in 2024, there is a new edition, the Faith in Action Edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories and digital resources that will help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotionals, prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible for Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together, we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. 
Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. And so I just want everyone, when we go into this bridge, when I say, when we sing, when I move my body, when I move my feet, when I open my mouth, the darkness has to flee. I want everyone to just give it your all. I want you to dance as hard as you can, to sing and shout as much as you can, as hard as you can. Give it your everything because God is setting you up for a pivotal yes. Your yes means everything. And that's like the biggest phrase they have there. The ramp is you never know what's behind your yes. And so I, at the time, like, I didn't even know she said that. I don't even know what she meant. Like it was in until like two years into my journey with the Lord. I looked back at the archives and realized that that's what she had prophesied over my life. So I was just like giving it everything. And then we got to a slow song. That was about the time when uh, it, they like one of the lyrics is it's your breath in my lungs. So we, out our praise and so i that just started like going and i just like honestly melted like and it was just like i was crying and i had no idea why i was crying and i just like i i honestly felt this tangible presence of jesus enter the room and just like grab onto me like this huge hug and and when i tell people like it's a tangible presence like that's the this whole thing any sin cycle anything it is the presence of god that changes you like if you're trying to do this religion style, it's not going to work for you. If you're trying to do this through words and just reading your Bible and trying to go to church, it's not going to work. Like you have got to have a daily relationship with Jesus because that is the only way it's going to work. And I mean, I will say like every people may disagree with me theologically wise, but I feel like doing it without the Holy Spirit is like driving a vehicle without gas. You're basically just putting yourself on the bicycle rather than getting into a four-wheel car you know it's it's like if you can pedal all by yourself or you can have a little screen with you whatever but i really like i'm just i was just amazed by the presence because i'd never i didn't know you could encounter a presence of jesus in that way Mm -hmm. that's beautiful i let the lord have everything and i gave up the drugs the game the alcohol and it just comes like all right lord like this is it but the one thing that i took from that encounter was still my homosexuality because even to that point, I was like, I'm going to be game Christian. Like Jesus is cool and I'm down for Jesus, but I like boys. Like when I walk into a room, I check the boys out, not the girls. So like, there's nothing God can do about that. You know, I was kind of like, you can't change me. And so I was out to be game Christian at that point. I was the rank very prophetic culture. It's super easy to hear the Lord. And especially when there's such a like consistency and obedience from that ministry, just being in the presence of God, like the Lord's voice is very loud and very clear. So it's very easy to hear him. So I was calling people sin out. I was like, you're watching porn. You need to stop. You're doing this. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, see, like I'm, I can hear the Lord's voice and I'm still very much gay. So I can be gay Christian. And um, there was one day that I was praying. And I opened up my Bible because I had heard this scripture in class and I was talking about, what are they talking about? Like he said some sort of scripture that was scary. And so I've, I went to that scripture that I put in my notes and it's in Matthew and it says, 
there will be a day when men come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we've cast out demons in your name. You've prophesied it, done all these things in your name. And he's going to say, get away from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you and you never knew my name. Mm. And when I read that, it put such a fear of God in me, not like scared that God's going to smite me or anything like that. But it gave me such a reality check because I was like, maybe I've been doing this whole thing without Jesus. I've been working in his gifts. I've been doing this and that without God. Mm. And so fast forward, like a few months later, I get to a winter conference. It's the biggest conference that the rant holds. And I was kind of still struggling with homosexuality. I was kind of like, I don't like I was still on the fence, even though I, I had had that reality check. The pastor, he was preaching and he was just like, he touched on homosexuality. And I honestly can't tell you what he said, but I remember I was thinking, okay, you know what? Like, fine. God, if you really don't want me to be gay, then I'm going to give up everything. But if I hate it, I'm going to go back. And so that was kind of like the moment I was like, all right, I'm giving up everything. And so I just, I, I did my best to stop hooking up with guys, to stop the, the hookup apps and the dating apps. And I started really like pushing myself and putting, actually putting some sort of effort into it instead of just checking all the boxes because it's super easy to do ministry without God. And so honestly, at that point, that's what I was doing. I was doing ministry without God and. I then like, that's when I became open with my leaders. I became open with my friends. And honestly, that, that was like probably the biggest thing because I, I remember walking into a leader's office and I was telling him like, I was like, I very much still like guys. Like, I don't really know what to do. Like I hooked up with a guy last night, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I feel like God hates me, but at the same time, like I'm stuck because this is what I'm sexually attracted to. And I was just coming to a point where I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I'm either going to get fixed or I'm going to go back gay. Like, I don't what I mean. So you tell me, you know, he was just kind of willing to listen. And I remember he t- him telling me it was the same leader that that told me about the manhood thing. He was like, nothing you say in this office is going to change the way I think about you. Because Jesus says this about you and he doesn't care about this. And so that was like mentally like just mind blowing because it was like, that was the exact love of Jesus right there. That was the, honestly, that in that moment where I, where I, what I needed, that was the epitome of who Jesus was for me in that, in that season. Cause it was like, no matter what, and no matter what I said, no matter how rough I was, because I, I got leaders would point out my, the way I walked, the way I talked, the way I carried myself, like, like holding my hands like this all the time and doing this and, you know, like different just manual that I had because I was a drag queen for Pete's sake. So it was just kind of like things that were super normal to me. And it was not that they were trying to make me into this masculine man. They just wanted me to be who God created me to be. And so I was having a really tough time with all those things, but then having a leader that was just like, I was able to be honest with and just be open mm-hmm. Like, let's get through it together. Like, let's pray about it and let's let the Lord like take care of this. Was, I mean, and he had never struggled with homosexuality. He never dealt with someone who struggled with homosexuality. So he had no prior knowledge. We kind of like learned together and kind of got through it together, but it helped everything with me being honest with somebody and being open, mm-hmm. having that accountability. And then surrounding myself with guys that also were men of God that weren't struggling with homosexuality, that were living a 
a biblical masculine life in the kingdom. And so like, and honestly, just submitting to that and submitting to what God had for me, I began to like see tons of changes in my life. Like my voice got deeper. It dropped probably like two octaves since I got married. My hair got curly at one point and I never had curly hair in my entire life. Like random things about myself, like physically changed and then mentally changed as well. Like mm-hmm. I thinking different. I started like holding myself different. You know, I started, it wasn't like I started holding myself like a man. I started holding myself like a leader. I started holding myself like someone who wants to be respected. Cause I remember the woman who started the rant, Karen Wheaton, she would tell us, she would, in a message she was preaching, she was like, when you walk into a room, you walk into a room as a leader. And when you walk into a room, everyone should notice you because you're carrying yourself as a leader, not because they should notice you, but they should, they should notice the things that are on your life, the mantle that's being carried, the presence of God that's on your life because you're carrying yourself a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so I just became very aware of that. I began to be very aware of, of all these different things. And as I submitted to that, the Lord started taking care of things. Like I, I, it honestly, all the way down to the, the styles of things I like, the the way I dressed. It was not like I physically, I didn't start all of a sudden wearing like flannels and boots and big old like bootcut jeans. It was just like, I just kind of like started liking different things. And like the Lord, I honestly believe that the Lord completely did that to me because I, it was just kind of like, I didn't really care about all of the feminine stuff anymore. Like I dressed super feminine beforehand and it was just a shift for me. It was a huge shift. Like, and when you're admitted to the presence of God, things will shift, things will change. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you're here. So. Well, that was a process, though. And I love that you talked about how it wasn't instantaneous by any means. I think there's an expectation too often for some reason when it comes to sexual sin, particularly if someone is homosexual or lesbian, that I've actually heard Christians say, well, when they get saved, God will take all of that away. You won't have those desires anymore. I'm like, that's not how that works. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of books on this. I've read uh, Jackie Hill Perry's book uh, on Beckett Cook book. And I've heard Rosar- uh, Rosaria Butterfield's testimony and Joe Dallas. And that that desire doesn't necessarily go, but go away. But you have to submit to his plan. And through uh, walking with him, he, he does transform things and the way you were talking about that transformation. And one thing you said in chapter eight, I really love this. He said, I've always believed that this change wasn't just gay to straight, but broken to whole. This is not a situation where you magically become straight, but a heart posture that the Holy Spirit brings to you, not only to be right with God, but to turn from your fleshly desires because you love him more. I think that's the key is who do you love the most? And when you decide what you love, then you become more like who you love. And it's a step by step, day by day, moment by moment process. And so that's so exciting to hear what the Lord did and how he did gradually bring you out of that. As we're wrapping this up, why don't you tell him and how did you meet your wife and end up becoming a minister of the gospel? That's awesome. So I was honestly like going through that process and like failing every time because I was chasing things. And I just kind of like, I broke down one day and I was like, Lord, like, what am I doing wrong? I've been every altar call. I've laid on my face. I've been on my knees. Like, what else is it going to, what else is it going to take? 
And I remember the Lord just coming in the room and just saying, like, it's not a, a gay straight transition. It's a broken the whole transition. And when I started chasing wholeness in the kingdom, that's when everything started changing. God doesn't take one lust pattern and switch it to another one. Like when you get rid of, of porn, you don't all of a sudden get this sexual desire for women taken away from you. It doesn't just like magically disappear. Mm-hmm. So I... I was in the, I was still in ministry school and it was my second year. And I had met this girl who we were really close friends. We were, we had been friends for like the last year and a half of ministry school. And she was like, she came up to me and was like, Oh my gosh, you have to meet this girl. She's just incredible. And she wants to be a sign language interpreter and she used to be gay and it's cool. And like, you should come meet her. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I went to go meet this girl and she was like, not honestly impressed me or interested or anything and she just got like yeah we had like super general small talk and then it was like over i that following october that was in august and then in october i got a job in uh, olive garden and that girl that same girl happened to be one of the servers there and so we got to talking and kind of like eventually we began to start carpooling with each other with a couple other friends and um, eventually just became three of us that would carpool back and forth from Tupelo, Mississippi, back to Hamilton, Alabama. And what I say is from the country to civilization and back again, because that was a civilization to Hamilton. And so we just kind of got really close. We became best friends. We realized that we both were, you know, like shuckled with drugs and alcohol and partying, but we were also... She was a ex-lesbian who was engaged to her partner. She is a pastor's daughter. She decided to live that LGBTQ lifestyle. She partied in all the gay clubs, all that kind of stuff in San Antonio, Texas. And um, I was obviously a drag queen. So we were able to be really like bluntly honest with each other. Like, I struggle with this. Like, I I watch this type of porn. You know, like we we are really down to the nitty-gritty with each other because we were best friends and we understood each other in that way. And so she was like, Hey, so I like you. And I was kind of like, okay, like I like you too. And I kind of like, I had had this moment when we were, we were driving back to our dorms and from Mississippi and it was like a 45 minute drive there and back. So we had some time on our hands and in Alabama, you can either go to Walmart, Taco Bell or see God. And so uh, <laughs> I. We were just praying on our way home and we turned on worship music and we were just listening to this, this album and the presence of the Lord filled the car. And I just was like, wow, this is incredible. And then I looked over at her and she's just getting wrecked. And I was like, man, I could do this with her forever. And I kind of had a freak out. Like, do I like a girl right now? Like, is that what just happened? Like I got real like stressed out because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like a girl. We started dating and then after three months, I was kind of like, so what are we doing? Are we doing this like for marriage or what are we doing? Because honestly, like I'm kind of to a place like I'm either going to get married or I'm going to go crazy in a ministry and not think about marriage for a while. So, and I was kind of to a point too, like before her, I was like, who's going to ever want to marry me? I have done these things with these dudes. What, why ever going to want to be like, yeah, my husband used to sleep with men. That's cool. You know, that's not a bad your chest. So it just kind of felt so like easy to just like, just to be in a relationship with her and just trust her with everything. And so we kind of just agreed that we both wanted to pursue marriage. We wanted, that was our goal. And so then 
Another three months went by and I proposed. Another six months happened and then we got married. Her dad is a senior local pastor here in San Antonio, Texas, Extreme Harvest Church. And so I came down and visited. He had met me when I was in ministry school previously, and we did not have a very good experience with each other. But then when we really got to know each other, and he kind of saw me in ministry and action, kind of like really saw what the Lord had done in both of our lives. It made a lot of sense to him. So then he was like, I want you guys to be youth pastors, like come down. So we like packed all of our stuff up. We graduated, we got married, and then we moved to San Antonio, Texas, where we became youth pastors. And then as of last March, we transitioned and now we're associate pastors. She's the admin here at the church. And then I'm also the associate pastor and creative director. The Lord is so faithful ever since in just like, pushing us, growing us, cutting more us and like just really like making us these solid people that are just running after him and really are searching and hoping to equip a generation to like raise up and and be outspoken about their story and, and not really like back because we're getting into a place and a time in history where everybody wants to silence us and we cannot be silenced. I mean Jesus is going to come back. And when that happens, I mean, you want to be, you want to be ready. So it's, it's just, it's an incredible journey and it's been really rewarding. And I've gotten an amazing opportunity to share my story ever since I, I wrote, I wrote my book, put my book out there. And then I'm just going to like, Hey, I give it to a lot of people for free. Honestly, majority of the time, because I'm not really worried about the money. I'm worried about the souls and I would rather more people be impacted by what God did in my life and what he could possibly do in their life ever make a dime. That's awesome. Well, you know, it sounds like that prophecy that you heard at the school <laughs> really has come true that the just you you couldn't even imagine what God had in store for you, but the entire trajectory of your life did change there. Just one last question I want to ask you. It's a beautiful testimony of what the Lord has done. But what advice then would you give parents of children who are struggling with same-sex attraction or struggling with gender dysphoria, uh, what would you tell them to do for their child? I would just say, honestly, I mean, if you have others or you have young kids, make sure you're educating them, making sure you're talking to them. I talked about earlier, make sure you're having the sex talk, making sure, you know, and find tons of, there's tons of tools out there for for you to be able to educate your kids. But for those parents who do struggle with homosexuality, then have kids that struggle with homosexuality, or even have like, I know like a lot of Christian parents have a sibling that struggles with homosexuality, and now their kids also struggle with homosexuality because they see that uncle or aunt who struggles with homosexuality. The biggest thing is, is be very firm. You know, you can be firm without being rude, Mm. but be firm about your beliefs. Be firm about what God has said about, about homosexuality, about gender, about those things. And I will tell you, I've heard testimonies come out of, of parents not wavering, not calling them by the pronouns or the names that they want to be called. I've heard from a parent that was like completely bowing down to what the kid wanted. You know, at, at what point did the kid become the parent? And I've heard a lot of people who, who are in the gay community come at me and say like, you are just killing all these little gay boys that want to like let their true self out. And you're making their parents believe that there's change. You're making their parents believe that they don't need to call them by their names and all the stuff. 
and you're the reason that all these little boys are going to die. And I will just tell you, like, don't you dare allow the world to tell you those things. And don't be scared of the world. Don't be scared of the opinions of others. Stand your ground. And and also, like, not just, like, in a hateful way. Like, stand your ground and, and explain, like, to your kids, especially if they're still your kids. This is why, like Bible says, and I love you and I care about you and I support you, but I don't support the decisions you're making. And I want, I want to be here for you. And I just want you to know that I will always be here for you. But just know, like, like I, I remember there's a testimony of a girl. She was like, my mom never called my fiance and my wife. She never said like, she was a, her daughter was a lesbian and she had a fiance and she was like married and all that kind of stuff. And she was like, she never, like, she always referred to her as my friend. She always, like, she never called me the name that I wanted. She never used he, him pronouns towards me. She was very, like, clear about it. And if you're really worried about offending someone, like, I mean, we, you and I have had this whole conversation. Never once have I said your name, not once. Mm-hmm. So it, people are stressed out about, like, yeah, that's true. Girl, we have had this whole like two hour conversation. I never once said your name. And I mean, the thing too is just like, if you really are struggling that bad, avoid the pronouns too. Like there's ways around it, but you know, don't, don't waver in that. And then also do too, like make sure that there's an open, open door of communication. Right. Of course, you're standing for this and you're standing for truth and you're all this kind of stuff, but make sure like at the end of the day, when your child is in a bind, they can feel like they can still come to you. Yeah. I need, I need my mother right now. I need my dad right now. And for those dads that have kids that are struggling with homosexuality, especially if you've got a son struggling with homosexuality, don't be so scared to open up, show your emotions and be open about that. But at the same time, like also you begin to really focus on what the biblical meaning of manhood is and really begin to to ask the Lord to show you that, to teach you that if you don't feel like you have a good grasp on that. So that way you can really show that to your, your teenage boy, to your middle school boy, because ultimately they, what I, I say it like this, I was looking for a man to fill that empty spot in my heart. And I finally found one and his name is Jesus. Amen. I was looking for a dad. I, and I, I'll be honest with all the parents listening here. I, I slept with men that were probably like 30, 40 years old. I, I mean, that's really honest, but it was because I was kind of like, I had this idea of like, I just wanted a, a man to be my leader and guide me and teach me. And you know, it's like the enemy turned it into a very perverted thing. And ultimately, like, God, that's God's design for me is to, I mean, John, he literally laid his his head on Jesus's chest in the Middle East. When I went to India to minister one time, grown men, Indian men will just come up and hold your hand. And that's just like a sign of like friendship. It's not, you know, this weird thing. So I, it to me, that tells me that God's designed men to have a, some sort of physical touch, but because we're so scared to like be homo or whatever it is, like it's like it gets turned into this weird thing. Don't, don't be afraid to hug your kid. Don't be free, mm-hmm. afraid to hug your boys. I've heard another minister who came out of homosexuality. He says it like this, hug your sons, because if you don't, another man will. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't be afraid to be affectionate to your son because he needs it. It sounds like what you're saying is the very thing they're afraid of is the thing that they're pushing them toward by 
by withholding that affection from their child, they will seek it because they need there needs to be this male bonding. And you do need that affection from a father figure. And wow, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Great advice. Just to kind of like, I guess, close on that. It's it's super important to do all of those things because I remember like there was a moment where I got back from India and my dad like just bear hugged me when I got off the plane and me and my leader, who was the guy who helped me out of homosexuality, he went on the trip with me and we were walking and, and he was like, are you okay? And like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, my dad's never hugged me like that before. Like he just never hugged me like that. Like, it's just really weird. And he was kind of like taking is like, he was like, what? What are you talking about? That your dad never hugged you. But again, it was because like my dad, my dad probably never got hugged, you know? Like, yeah. That was his generation. That's the way that generation operated, I think. And so that affection that you needed, that, that's that's really powerful and great advice that our kids do need that, that from us. And we shouldn't be afraid in that and giving our children what they what they do need. They need affection. They need love. Um, they need an open line of communication always. And I think one of the most important things I've mentioned this on the show before is that you need to look at your child in the, their face just and cradle the sweet little cheeks, however old they are, and just say, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can believe that's going to change my love for you. I'm going to love you regardless of what you do, because God loves us that way. Now, because he loves us, he wants us to walk in right relationship with him, and he wants us to not do things that will harm ourselves. And yes, there is a criteria for salvation, and that is repentance, and that is coming into right relationship with him. But there's no criteria for his love for us because the word says that God showed his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us in our, the depths of our depravity. So that's such a beautiful testimony. I love to hear what the Lord has done in your life. It's powerful, powerful. So can you please tell our listeners where they can get a copy of your book and find out more about your ministry, Blake? Yeah, so um, all, my book is is sold on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon from Masked to Manhood. I am associate pastor at Extreme Harvest Church in San Antonio, Texas. It's spelled with an X. So Xtreme dot Extreme Harvest Church. I mean, find us on Facebook and uh, we, I minister sometimes. I, I've got some messages on there from time to time. I'll pop up there and I, our, some of the productions we've done is, is on there as well that I've written and been a part of, but we, uh, we're we there. Yeah. And I would say too, like another really great book that by another minister that I love is um, Landon Shot, And he wrote a book called Gay Awareness. It's called Gay Awareness. And it okay. is an incredible book written by someone who never struggled with homosexuality, but completely had this amazing encounter with the Lord and just changed his heart about the homosexual community. So definitely check that out as well. I will, Blake. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story and your hard-earned advice with the CPCW audience today. I know that many parents will be encouraged by your incredible testimony of God's transforming work in your life. Praise God. God for what he has done in you and what he continues to do through you. And thank you for your loving and truthful and biblically sound instruction on how to interact with people 
who struggle with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. That is so, so helpful for us as parents. Be sure to check out my Instagram and Facebook pages and follow me there to see clips from this and all of my episodes and to receive encouraging advice on your parenting journey. Coming up on CPCW, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I have been wanting to do an episode on mental illness for a long time now. Some of us parents deal with that. Some of our kids deal with that. And we all know someone who deals with that. So if you or your child or another loved one battles depression, anxiety, or OCD, and well, that's pretty much all of us, this next episode is for you. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherinesegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.